What's up, everybody? What's up, citizens? I am your V Podcast, the host, Jay Starks, and welcome to the Bingo Book Podcast. We are on episode 15, and we appreciate you joining us on this awesome and epic journey that we are on, spreading the love of anime and manga and everything else in between around you gotta love it. <laughs> of course, shout outs to my BOMAP members, whether you're in the live chat comment section for our YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook pages as we are live right now, or if you're listening directly from streaming services, wherever you get your BBP podcast from, we greatly appreciate you. Okay, so we definitely have to get into our winter 2022 animes for discussion on our Saturday slate. So uh, let's go ahead and move on over to my office and we shall talk. We shall talk about these things. Let's do it. Okay, yeah. In a round down, in a round town. <laughs> All right, well, if you are new here, we do cover about six animes uh, for our slates, but we're down to five and I'll go ahead and bring up our chart now to show you that. And we have for our Saturday slate, Requiem of the Rose King, The Strongest Sage with the Weakest Crest, Orient, The Case Study of Vanitas, Arefurita from Commonplace to World's Strongest, and we had The Orbital Children, but that series is complete as it's a Netflix special uh, that was only six episodes long, and we got all the way through it. Okay, so we review anime here based on three key factors. One, animation. Two, story progression. That's from A to Z, how the story goes. And dialogue, all the good bolts and bits and pieces that make up that great conversation and text and subtitles and everything else uh, that we love to see. And we have our rating ceiling, which is at the top of the... Uh, the screen here uh we rate it from one through seven one being the worst two is terrible three is not good four the middle five good six great and seven is the best all right so let's go ahead and get into our first anime episode for discussion gonna move that chart out the way real quick like and boom our first anime is Requiem of the Rose King, and it's episode nine. Now, I have to put out a little disclaimer. Uh, the platform which we watch uh, Requiem of the Rose King on, unfortunately, their titles were incorrect. So when we reported out on the titles since episode seven, I want to say starting there, uh, the, the names are all wrong. So... This episode nine is indeed titled, I Remember When Christmas Was Approaching and The Time When I Lost Father. Okay, so it, I was wondering, I was like, okay, well, you know, in the last week's episode, it had, there was nothing said about Christmas at all. And I was like, okay, this doesn't make any sense because the remorse um, the past episodes, they've all, the titles all kind of gelled into the storyline for, you know, to some degree. And uh, it what didn't happen last week. So I, I just, I had to investigate it and find out like what's really going on here. And that's exactly uh, what we found out is that the naming conventions was wrong. And of course we verified them on different sites 
Uh, and yeah, there, there, there we are. But of course, you know, this episode was, you know, actually it was pretty interesting. And I would say it was a, a dialogue piece. Uh, overall, it wasn't, uh, it was, it was pretty good. Um, but the things that were happening in this episode was, you know, mostly Richard trying to go and save his brother once he was able to, uh, you know, you know, get them back into the, onto their side. They were going after the, I guess you could say the middle brother and trying to see if they can convince him to come back over to their side, which they eventually were able to do. And, you know, it was so crazy because this, the, the middle child, Edward, he see, he's very impressionable. I feel like, you know, a lot of things can be said to him uh, that kind of changes his view pretty easily. He can easily be swayed. Um, and you know, it's kind of, it's kind of weird because in a way, you know, I'm the middle child of my family and I don't know if that's a thing, but I feel I, I was definitely very gullible growing up for a long time. And, uh, I don't know if I would say that I was easily persuaded, but gullible, as far as like, if you say it's something, I kind of tended to believe that that was the truth so i don't know i mean i guess that persuasiveness and gullibleness can kind of mingle co-mingle together they're almost like the same thing in a way uh but yeah like this you know they were able to you know surprise edward with some uh rumors that were going around the town that he was at uh in england area and the rumors were basically about you know a ghost and, you know, the ghost had some remnants of his father and he got really, Edward got really, really drunk and started hallucinating, thinking that he was seeing his father pretty much casting judgment on him for, you know, not bringing the crown back to the family where it rightfully belongs with the Yorks. And so it's, it's like, you know, he was just scared to death after all of those, you know, um, uh, visits, I guess you could say, from his father, and it made him feel really guilty to where he eventually came back to side with his brothers, uh, you know, after escaping the situation he was in, uh, being kind of captive from, uh, well, maybe captive might not be the word, but freeing himself from uh, Warwick. And so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the, the big view of what this episode was about. And uh, you know, it was cool. You know, it's a ni nice little dialogue or whatnot. But one thing that was said by uh, King Henry, uh, you know, to Richard, it was really interesting. He said, you'll be cold on your own, Richard. And so there's kind of a parable for that phrase, because in the context of it, they're outside and, you know, it's it's really cold and they're in this kind of uh big gaping hole of a tree bark and they're, they're seek, you know, haven't taken siege there to stay warm uh, and to also hide themselves from, you know, uh, enemies or potential threats, uh, you know, or it could be like wild animals and, and stuff like that. So they kind of stayed in this like really huge tree that had a, a gaping hole in it. And uh, Richard was kind of uh, distancing, distancing himself a little bit from Henry, but he was really in deep thought. And as he's in deep thought and they're kind of laying on the ground sleeping, Henry goes on to say this phrase, 
you'll be cold on your own, Richard, if if you stay this way. But see, when he says that you'll be cold if you're on your own, it made Richard kind of freeze up for a moment. And so he started, in my opinion, the way I, it's like he started thinking about two different things. It's like, okay, yes, I'll be cold as in like, you know, the actual temperature, like I'll be freezing if I don't get closer to you. Um, and, and that's paralyzing of me being around you because I really, I like, I realize that I love Henry. Like I love him, you know, I, as a, um, you know, uh, some sexual desire, someone I want to spend the rest of my life with type. But it's also a parable of um, cold of like, you know, being alone, exile, you know, being uh, far away, you know, uh, desolate, you know, that, that that's the way I took it. And so it's almost like Richard seeing himself like, like, do I really want to be on my own and really live this cold life where I, I don't ever seek true love and I don't, I, I never marry or have kids or anything like that? Like, is, do, is that the life that I really want for myself? And so you could tell that Richard was starting to have somewhat of a change of heart, uh, you know, during this episode. And I would say his departure from Henry really kind of showed that. Uh, he has that change of mind and change of heart for sure. But okay, what's up, Bit? We got Bit in the chat. Bo mad. <laughs> so overall, grading the the animation, uh, it was good. The story progression was good, and the dialogue was good as well. So I mean, this was a very cool, calm, collective episode. Nothing over the top. You know, it was good. Now I can say that what in watching this episode. I felt like it was extremely long for some reason. Like I can remember being like, wow, like this, this episode is still going on. So that kind of can tell you like how deep and rich the, the dialogue was, but you know, I couldn't really grade it that high because it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of context of things that we didn't already know. So uh, I would say that there's not that much new here. Uh, this is still kind of a, a piece to kind of push the story along. Um, but it was it was good nonetheless. All right, moving on to our next episode, and that is the strongest sage with the weakest crest, episode nine, titled "The Strongest Sage Works with a Team." Now, I mean, come on now that if that's not straightforward enough for you, I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, I seriously don't. I mean, it's like right there jamming your face saying, okay, the sage is working with the team. I mean, it's and it's pretty obvious that the team that they're talking about is the team of people that he put together for the most part. And so they're going to be doing something, uh, some type of coordination, something of that sort. And that's exactly what happened. They end up going into this town where there's a, a whole bunch of um, I guess you could say like half demons or demi demons. I, I, you know, it's kind of, they never really kind of explain fully what makes them so different in the classification other than, you know, this specific type of demons, they like to coordinate with each other and they can, they have like this telepathic uh, type of communication where they can all communicate with each other at the same time. And so the plan was pretty much for them to, uh, separate the demons and and kind of uh, 
bring them to one side of the field and then Maddie and a, and, and a couple others will come in the backside and flank them and pretty much destroy the demons from behind the back and you know pick them off somewhat one by one and it worked really well but <laughs> there was one thing in this this uh series that I felt was like really really funny I kind of laughed they had this spell where uh Matt Mateus goes through the wall and there's this enemy on the other side of the wall, and he puts his hands on the side of him coming out of this out of this wall because he he knows these spells now, evidently, where he can warp through walls. <laughs> I was like, man, this dude Mateus is OP, man. Like he's so overpowered. It don't make no sense. But um he goes through the wall, puts his hands over the guy's head, and casts a spell, and it like derps him out and so you know the the whole crew that's with uh maddie asks like hey like what type of spell was that and he says oh this is a stupefaction spell <laughs> a stupid <laughs> a stupid perfect <laughs> i can't even say <laughs> oh man that's so funny a stupefaction spell so Okay, I had to. I'm crying now. Right. <laughs> I'm literally crying. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, Ben. He had a stupefaction spell, and I just I could not get over the fact that that was a real thing. And of course, the explanation of the spell was, you guessed it, it was to pretty much nullify the person's senses so they can't really. Uh, comprehend what was going on in the situation so it allowed the team to bypass them because they were he was in this stupefied state that he couldn't even recognize what was going on anyways you know it's almost a a kind of a a mind paralysis you know but it's just i don't know it's kind of like i kind of i honestly couldn't believe that that word was a word for a spell i'd never seen that ever in any type of like MMO, RPG, anime game, nothing like that. So that was that was new. That was interesting. <laughs> He's a <like>, totally stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so another thing that was funny that happened in this episode, you know, our lovely dear Iris, uh, they they what they decided to do was they got there was this line of humans uh that were being um uh had this stupefaction spell placed on them uh as well by the the demi demons and they were working walking into this uh doorway which was pretty much a factory and Matt, uh Mateus and the crew they wanted to go inside of this door to kind of find out what the demons were up to and so uh Maddie had this idea of hey you know what I'm going to place this uh, ca- uh spell cantation on us so, and we can just act like we're dumb and stupefied and we should be able to go inside of this place with no problem. And so <laughs> they're walking in this line behind the other humans. And of course you have the, the demons that are kind of driving them like, hey, like hurry up, get going and stuff like that. And Iris, as clumsy as she is, starts walking and she starts uh to trip and eventually she falls down and so one of the demons comes over and he says 
hey, get up. Right? He's like, oh, he's like, oh, this one right here must have, you know, they must have really overdone the spell. And they just let her go. He's like, oh, just, you know, get on back up and, and get back in line. And so Iris kept, you know, just got up and got back in line. And so the rest of the team is like, hey, Iris, you did, you played that off so well. Like, we were really worried that you were going to blow our cover. And Iris is like, uh, I didn't really try to do anything special. I was just being me. And so <laughs> it's been, like, that's that's the writers basically saying, like, Iris is so dumb that it's like she's already casted with a stupefaction spell, y'all. <laughs> yeah, how they do my girl like that, man? They're so wrong for that, man. She's so, so, so wonderful and great and awesome and but you know she's the she's the comedy bit so i got a good laugh out of that literally crying on set <laughs> but uh yeah i mean overall this uh the animation was good the story progression and the dialogue was good as well so in conclusion this is a good episode um we got to see uh one of the characters that you know, Maddie got the fight prior in the last episode, kind of get himself involved in this. And, uh, you know, it was really cool to, to, to you know, we'll probably be talking about him a little bit later. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> My eye. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next anime title. And that is Orient. Episode 10, The Goddess's Power. Now, I got to tell you, this episode was so freaking good. Man, I'm so I'm so happy like where like the man, Orion has been on a roll. I want to say the last 4 episodes have just been just smashing. It's been so good. Uh in this episode, uh you know, uh, Musashi is uh, pretty much trying to fight off Shido, who's this um, sword user that can um, transmute or, or utilize this black magic, this black powers. And, uh, you know, he's pretty much trying to steal the rest of the um, uh, Bushi's swords and, and, you know, pretty much take their powers and, and leave them stranded and move on. And he, but he also has a goal in mind because he's trying to, you know, he's trying to find this specific goddess, and he believes that uh, Mushashi is the one that has this. Well, eventually, we do find out that Musashi indeed has this goddess that he's looking for, and it really hypes up Shido, uh, and you know, he does some like crazy power stuff. I mean, it was what Shido did was really wild. Like he. Uh, cut it like cut he swung his sword and like this like energy wave just came out and the next thing you know it turns like the whole area into like this triangle this pyramid block and he tipped it over upside down and that's how he was able to kill a lot of the bushi because the whole land that they were standing on literally was upside down and everybody started falling off but you had uh, Kojiro and Musashi and a couple other people that were strong enough that they stabbed the the ground hard enough to where the, their swords were able to stick inside of the earth. And they are, now they're just hanging upside down by the skin of their teeth trying to hold on. 
And, you know, something amazing happens after that. And eventually uh, the, the goddess within uh, Musashi uh, sees, you know, the, the good, you know, the, the will, the will, I guess you could say that he has and, you know, makes a decision that, Hey, like, you know, it's going to be a problem if Shido, you know, obtains my power. And so instead of that, I'm going to give you my power and, you know, hopefully you'll be able to survive, you know? And so that's kind of where it goes. Now, this uh, goddess, they call her the obsidian goddess, the black goddess for the most part is what that I would say that would translate to, or it would look like. And the voice actor's name is uh, Miyuki Sawashiro. Now I, now I, I said, I, well, I should go back and say, I believe this is the voice actor because I play a video game called Genshin Impact. And I got, I love the game. And, you know, it's, it, there's, of course, you know, the, the hardcore players that, you know, love to put hours and hours and hours upon hours in, they're not really happy with Genshin Impact because, um, you know, there's not really anything to do. But for someone like me who doesn't have a lot of time on their hands, you know, being able to play a game where I log in for 20, 30 minutes and get a little bit of satisfaction and I can log off and I've, you know, pretty much maximized my day and I can do the same thing the next day. And it's just very, uh, it's time consuming for, you know, for, uh, I should say it's time consuming for me, but it's not time consuming. And so it's easy for me to be able to play it. And I, but I absolutely love a lot of the characters in this game, uh, namely, uh, Shao, who is just this hot, edgy uh, uh, young man, and then Raiden Shogun, who is uh, the Electro. Um, what I already I already forget, like the Electro Archon. There you go, Archon, which is like almost like a god, a, a demigod of some sort. And uh, this the Raiden Shogun is voice acted by Miyuki uh, Sawashiro who I strongly believe is the VA for the Obsidian Goddess because, I mean, I'm really good at really picking up the voices and it sounds just like her. And not only that, but the roles that Miyuki usually picks are like these goddesses, these like really strong, empowered women, you know, that have like a backbone to them. And, you know, they just kind of command the scene. And man, I got to tell you, I love her. Like she... And she is so amazing. Like after watching this earlier today, I, I literally hopped on Twitter and I had to say, I believe this is, I believe this is Miyuki. Like it's, it's absolutely her. And so hopefully I'm able to confirm that a little bit later, uh, but we'll see, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's her, but you know, but ironically, what's also interesting is on our Wednesday slate, we watch an anime called tribe nine. And in that airing, her brother, this, I'm talking about the the voice actor Miyuki Sawashiro. Her brother Chiharu Sawashiro plays as Taiga in Tribe Nine. Now, how cool is that? <laughs> that? That is so freaking cool, man! It's just like she like he's talented voice actor as well, and you can tell that you know he picked up some things from his sister because they both have this kind of passion driven uh, uh, and really strong type of presence with the voice acting and 
a little bit of snarkiness to them too. And Chiharu, you know, when he plays Taiga, does a wonderful job in that role as well. But yeah, you know, in you know, grading this and this episode, I would say that the animation was great, the story progression was great, and the dialogue was good. So, you know, as a whole, like this was just a great episode. I mean, it kicked butt. Like I I, I man, I enjoyed watching it. And I, I wanna say that this is if anything out of Orient, this is probably the most replayable episode out of all of them so far. Like I can say I probably could see a couple people going back and, and replaying this episode because um what happened with Musashi was just so freaking cool. So looking forward to what happens next as this series goes forward. Um all right. So let's go on move on to our next anime title. And that is The Case Study of Anites, episode 21, called Scars. Scars. Now, now, scars could mean a lot of different things. You know, of course, you know, when you think about scars in the first place, it's, you know, the physical scars that you see on your arms, you know, your your neck, you know, somebody just being really roughing you up or something like that. You know, those type of bruises and stuff that's on you that leave some marks for a while, those type of scars. But, you know, scars can also be like those internal scars that, you know, those deep wounds that never leave you. It's a, a, a mental thing. And I kind of feel like that's where they were going to go with this episode, but they, it was a little bit of both, I would say. And in this episode, uh, we got to see, uh, Noe get approached by uh, this one of the ladies with a letter that said that if, you know, the letter said if he wanted to see Dominique alive, he needed to come to a certain location. And Dominique is, you know, this uh, kind of like a best friend, like a little sister uh, in a way. And, you know, she absolutely loves Roland. Um, I'm talking about Roland. <laughs> she absolutely no, uh, loves uh, Noe so much and um, you know for Noe because he's you know she's like the only uh, person he has that he grew up with that's left you know Dominique is very important to him and so in uh, in moments notice in a blink of an eye Noe took off to go to this location that he was supposed to meet up at to try to save Dami and when he got there, he ended up meeting this mysterious kid with blue eyes, you know, cute as can be. But this kid had a really <laughs> evil side to them, I guess you could say. And um, he threatened Noe and said, hey, I need you to go to Vanitez and, you know, I want you to find out why he killed our father. And, you know, me, I'm thinking like, oh, man, like, what, what, like, killing his father? Like, what, wait, what's going on? Like, what's happening? Now, I remember Benitez said in the past, you know, you, you know, you wouldn't want to know about my past, you know, and if you did, you know, in him talking to Noe, I would have to kill you. And so now I'm like, okay, this is getting even deeper thinking about what Benitez says but the situation that Noe is in is if he doesn't do what this kid tells him, 
he's going to make Noe jump off, I don't know, I would say this 20 foot, uh, no, no, higher than 20 feet, 50 feet in the air, like off this, uh, not roller coaster, what are those? Uh, Ferris wheel, Ferris wheel. And so she's on a Ferris wheel, like at the very top of a Ferris wheel, and she's in this deep trance. And basically the kid says, if you don't do what I say, she'll jump. And Noe, you know, in sheer panic and, you know, making a promise to himself that he would save, you know, or be there for Dami no matter what, uh, the kid says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to bite my neck because... If y'all remember in some past episodes, the, the thing that makes Noe so special is he has the ability to bite someone and when he drinks their blood, he can see their memories in the past, even unconscious memories that that person might not even recall. And so he the kid asked him to bite his neck so he could really find out all that he, you know, about himself and Vanitas. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, bro. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like, man. And so now, man, I can't, man, episode 22 or whenever the episode is coming and Noe has to eventually, uh, eventually go to Vanitas and confront him in order to save Dami. Oh my, yo, this, this plot is just getting, it's getting crazy, man. I, I I love this anime so much, but uh, but one thing that happened in this episode that I found to be um, curious is when this little young kid that you know pretty much threatened Noe and captured uh, Dominique, he you know as when he was little he was caught. the The backstory that goes with this kid is um, he he was dressed as a girl. His hairstyle, everything about him was dressed as a girl. And I mean, it's it's really deep and it's sad, but the mother, his mother dressed him up like that because th the thoughts were, at least from like the um, church, was that the mother was selling her son slash as a daughter to, you know, um, the the nasty people. And I was just like, wow, like that is crazy, right? And so in the way that the story goes is somehow this, you know, this kid that's dressed up like a girl, he gets away. And eventually we see the story progress of how uh, he ends up meeting Vanitas at a very young age. And Vanitas eventually like uh, look at, looked after him when they were younger. But prior to him meeting uh, or, or meeting Vanitas, he met someone from the church who was Roland and Roland is one of like the uh, church clergy people, the paladins, but he, you know, he looked so young. I mean, he looked, he looked young, but he looked, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, I don't understand how Roland is in this place when to me, he looks like a kid. So in my mind, I'm like, Yo, how old is Roland? Like, literally, like, really, how old is he? So he must be at least 20 years older than Vanitas and Noe and them in their group. Or maybe there's something else up with him that he's not able to age so fast or something. He might be half vampire, and it's a secret. I don't know. But that really tripped me out that Roland was 
was there when this kid was young and Benitez had to be probably like 12 years old at the time. And so I would say the kid was probably seven, six years old. I mean, the kid was really young. So, uh, but really cool episode, you know, it was, but the animation was good. Uh, the story progression was great and the dialogue was the best. Oh my goodness. Like the things that were being said and the voice acting, it was just, man, it was so captivating. Like that literally carried this episode, although everything else was, was good. But um, in conclusion, this was a great episode. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, it, you know, at the end of this, once the season is over with, but uh, if you have not put the case study of Anitas in your playlist you know for something that if you get bored and you want to pop that in there and play it later uh, in the future uh, you know I, I highly suggest that you do that <laughs> okay so he said oh it's getting thick yes it, it, into the thick of it <laughs> yeah man but um he said maybe a spell to keep him young yeah that's possible i mean the church the church is interesting. There's a, we don't know that much about the church. Uh, I mean, even though the way that Vanitez talks, he seems to be pretty well informed about it because he was, he kind of lived in the church in a way, well, in a secret location of the church, I would say. Um, Vanitez has a crazy story himself, but uh, the, the church uh, paladins, they use uh, different medicines and vials and stuff like that to enhance their power. So, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if uh, they, you know, had something that, you know, kept them youthful, kept them young, you know, uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. That's going to, that's a, a really curious story for me. And I think in the end of this, I'm going to probably research that to find out if, if we ever get an answer to that, because that's really weird to me that he's, you know, he looks so young, but he's been around for a good minute. Uh, okay, so we move on to our next anime. And this will be our last anime for our episode review. And that is Are Fureta, From Commonplace to World's Strongest, episode 22, titled Invasion of the Capital. Hmm. Now, yeah, I mean, it's as the title says, there, you know, uh, things are happening within the capital. Pretty much one of the demons that's uh, high in command uh, swarmed the area that our, our protagonist, Hajime, is at, along with the rest of the team. And they're, you know, namely came to save the uh, uh, princess and Hajime's uh, sister. Well, rewind the princess is the one that you know escaped to notify hajime to let him know that the, his sensei was captured and then they came on the scene to save the sensei you know save the sensei and so while that was going on it seemed like it was all part of the plan to really get hajime and his team in a specific location so there can be this huge fight that breaks out and man like we got to see some pretty good action. Um, you know, we get we didn't we didn't get to see Hajime do too many things because he was holding on to his sensei and protecting her until Tio was able to come on the scene and uh take off with the sensei to allow him to really go all out. <laughs> and you know, th that's something that we probably gonna have to cover too 
in the future of this this whole sense of going all out you know because in most animes when that phrase happens it's like okay the kids the you know you know the friends the whoever the weaklings whoever they got to get give give me a thousand feet away so i can really you know just go use all my powers and not have to worry about anything and i'm gonna be honest with y'all i think that's generally a cop-out <laughs> i think i mean i'm just i'm saying it i think it's a cop-out to because if you really about that life you should be able to do stuff with your friends or whatever there i mean to me that's what makes a a, a person that's strong cold if they can be in the vicinity and you can defeat your enemy while you're you know while someone is there that's weaker that makes you the man man in my opinion or woman you know all right <laughs> so on and so forth so yeah like but yeah i mean that's kind of what happened with this episode i mean we got to see the bunny girl go off and do her thing of course view um uh, she did her thing uh, it was it was a really cool episode. So I'd say that the animation was great because we got to see some pretty nifty fighting and the transition and the scenes were pretty cool. Uh, you know, I mean, the powers and stuff, I mean, we're pretty much used to seeing them, but the way that it was, uh, you know, translating on the screen looked really, really good. Uh, the story progression was good. The dialogue was good. And so in conclusion, I mean, this was a good episode. You know, I, it's... it's uh, for me, with Are Fudeta, it's one of those things where it's like, once you start watching it and you understand the story of like how Hajime got to where he is, you're pretty much locked in because you want to see how this whole story ends. And I really do think that they have done a pretty unique job with um, making their powers somewhat creative. And so that alone is i think a, a part of the reason why the fan base that's watching this anime kind of tends to stick around too but okay so that is our anime for review hey if you are uh, listening to us on the dsps wherever you get your bbp podcast from we greatly appreciate you for listening this is the end of today's episode however if you do want to watch I know a little bit more of what this episode is about as we conduct our character analysis. Feel free to join us on our YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch page, and you can look at that VOD and see all the great things that we cover. But hey, if you're still there right now and you're watching, don't touch that keyboard. We'll be right back with our character analysis.